1: Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, an hour of Illinois basketball talk with Derek Piper. He's back from South Carolina slash Georgia as he took in Peach Jam up close and saw Rez Johnson complete his summer surge. What a week in, actually last couple weeks with the NBA PA Top 100 camp that the Illini commit. How far could he rise in the rankings? We'll see. But Derek Piper breaks down what he saw, what Merez Johnson is going to bring to Illinois. We also break down Jason Jaxtus, Mikey Lewis, two Illini targets in the class of 2024. And we really dive into the 2025 top target, Jeremiah Fears, in-state native from Joliet. You know You His brother Jeremy, McDonald's All-American going to Michigan State. Talk about how the Illini's recruitment and kind of slamming on the brakes of Jeremy could have impacted Jeremiah or not but we break down Jeremiah's game as well and then we dive into the Illinois basketball team and we've talked all about the transfers, we've talked about Shannon and Hawkins returning but we really break down the other guys, the early word on workouts for guys like Ty Rogers and Cyr Harris, Dre Gibbs-Awhorn and Imani Hansberry, the freshman, Nicolo Moretti and Dane Danger and Luke Goody as well. So that's all coming up next right here on the Illini choir
0: podcast.
1: All right, it's time to catch up with Derek Piper, Alana Enquirer, basketball reporter and analyst. Back from Peach Jam, which uh, for the last, what, seven, eight years, we've done this, Derek. I know it's been one of your favorite trips, but uh, let's start here. What is Peach Jam? Why is it important? Why is this July early evaluation period uh, important?
2: It's the culmination of the entire shoe brand circuits are having their championships this week, and you play throughout the spring, and – Uh, it's essentially a league and they have uh, standings that you you jockey for position to be able to make it to peach jam and uh, that's where you have pool play that that goes on to bracket play but really it's the the best of the best and EYBL for as long as I've been on it has been the the best league in terms of the depth of talent the most high major caliber prospects are going to be on on the floor at one time and uh, you go down to North Augusta, South Carolina and Uh, I mean, it's a big deal. And uh, people probably saw on Twitter that, you know, LeBron was there coaching his son. You you got Carmelo because you got a lot of these teams that are uh, sponsored by these pros now. I mean, Bradley Beal has a team. Chris Paul has a team. All those guys were there. Uh, So to just be able to have that environment where you get all the coaches around the country in that building, and you get uh, national media, you get scouts, you get uh, and then just the top talent in the country battling each other. And uh, it's always a great environment because there's great turnout from the locals around Augusta to people coming from Atlanta to people wanting to maybe make a further trip, to just watch guys from uh, the, the team that they're, you know, recruiting for. Uh, so it, it's really cool. It, it's it's a, a fun event. It's high level basketball. We, I've talked about before that uh, for whatever rap AAU gets, uh, I think it it really is EYBL and, and particularly Peach Jam is outside of that realm. It's I think it's good basketball. I think it's pretty well coached. It's guys trying to win and, and trying to get that Peach Jam title and uh being there is it is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and the NBA Scouts really go to this yeah. thing as well before the coaches get there. Uh how's it changed, Derek, over the last couple of years?
2: I think that's that's a great point. I think that's something different where you get the NBA scouts in, in that type of a mix. Um, they have actually they've added on to the facility there, so there's uh, more of a de- demand of of people getting in the buildings to to be able to go over there and uh, be able to see whatever they can um, because you get to the Saturdays and the, the real bracket play, and it, it's hard to find a seat. I mean, uh, you got lines; they they're turning people away at some point. Like, I don't know that. Uh, I was in there for a game where LeBron was coaching, and and they just they couldn't let everybody in the gym because it was just so much of a of a demand for people to get in there and see it. So I, they've tried to uh, expand as much as they can within that building. Uh, that's something that's that's happened as well. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, they've locked it down a little bit more from the media side. It used to be kind of free reign, like uh, you'd be able to sit wherever you wanted to sit as a media person. Uh, you, you have a little bit more media access than you, you get maybe nowadays, and uh, it's harder to to get that credential around your neck. Will, I'll say that, but uh, that, that's one thing that's changed, too.
1: It, it's a, a confluence of basketball people, right? Whether it's these young, hot prospects, uh, the coaches, as you've mentioned, the NBA players, whether they're coaching the team or owning the team. Uh, what, what is the, you know, the, the fun part about this? And, and you see the national guys talking about this is you can talk about basketball, the hot topics of basketball. So like, what is the main chatter about right now, uh, among all these basketball people about the world of college basketball right now?
2: NIL is definitely coming up when you think about just the, the crazy numbers that are out there. There's the talk of, Hey, you know how much of the buzz that then translates to people getting paid this type of money. And. Uh, the transfer portal, I mean, the fact of the window, I mean, coaches are really frustrated. The fact that guys could still hit the portal tomorrow as, as grad transfers or after the end of this summer session. Uh, and just the, the what you're putting coaches through to build these rosters and, and the the unfinal de- uh, the unfinal like deadlines, like just the fact of they're in a really tough spot as far as that goes. And, and the recruiting cycle is they've added more stuff to it. Uh, throughout the years to be able to give them you can go to top 100 camp now to to be able to watch them you can go to the usa trials you can uh go out in june now to watch guys in their their high school settings with their high school teams uh but really you're, you're putting coaches on the road a ton uh, throughout the summer uh factor it in now where there's there's not the initial time after the season to take the breath and, and kind of relax because you're recruiting your roster you're recruiting transfers and there's some burnout. I mean, you hear from coaches and I, I had someone tell me and I've heard it actually multiple times uh, throughout the summer is like, hey, if something doesn't change, you're going to see another wave of of guys. We've already seen Jay, Wright. I mean, Coach K was getting up there. Roy Williams was getting up there. But guys would just say uh, this isn't for me. It, it's too much. And uh, I've made enough money or I've had enough success that I'm that I'm getting out of it. So uh, th- there's some of that talk as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, the, the NIL thing. Um... I, I just wonder, like coaches, do they some of these coaches? It helps, like let's be honest, like Brad Underwood, it helps, right? Like for his yeah. program, uh, for, for other schools, I would imagine it's difficult. Like a Chris Collins, I mean, Northwestern is dealing with a bunch of stuff, but for Chris Collins, it's probably not a good thing for uh, Illinois State. I don't know if, if that's helping Ryan Peden a- at all. Uh, so what's the conversation about, like with, with NIL coaches?
2: I think some are a little frustrated that they don't maybe have more backing or or more forward thinking in that front. Um, I I see, can't help but look and see Steve Peichel in the gym and, and wonder how, what he's thinking about with Mulcahy hitting the portal. Although it sounds like maybe Rutgers is taking a little bit of a different route where the NIL resources that they do have, they want to kind of use in getting some high school prospects. So they have one of the top, Guys yeah. in the in the 24 class uh, currently committed to them, and they're a big factor for uh, Dylan Harper, who, who's Ron Harper Jr.'s brother, and uh, to try to get really essentially the, the top two prospects in 24 to, to go to records, which is just hard to even comprehend. Yeah. But uh, there's a limitation there. Like you can't maybe do all the roster retaining with the NIL as you'd want versus uh, trying to save some of that money for, going out there and being able to offer it to high school kids too. So, uh, And then there's those that have benefited from it. I I think Brad Underwood will wear a smile on his face for the most part whenever anybody's asking how's NIL going at Illinois. I I think they're doing pretty well. Uh, And there has been – I was talking to one coach that said, you know, some jobs got better with NIL because you always had the situation of a a hungry alumni base that wanted to get involved, but maybe a a coach in particular or just a program didn't want to push – Athletic Pastor. directors
1: that, that Athletic did not directors. want to play in that gray area. Yeah, yeah, I mean, let's like, if I'm Bruce Weber, and, and I'm thinking about, man, what could I have done with nil? Could I have gotten Julian right? Could I have gotten Sharon Collins? Now you had to be Kansas and Bill Self for those guys. I don't know if Weber would have been able to do that. Um, Or are you John Gross? Th- does Cliff Alexander happen right? Juwan Evans? Does that happen? We know what happened at Oklahoma State now, right? With some yeah, of that true. stuff and you can't help but think how, how would the world have changed for those guys? Not saying they would have had great success, but I think you had a better chance at at some of these top prospects.
2: No doubt. I mean, maybe you could have actually had a legit sit down conversation with Derek Rose. Can you imagine what those, those numbers would have been if you're going to go Great Derek point. Rose? Great point. Uh, yeah. I, and John Gross for sure. I mean, Cliff Alexander was a, a prime example of a recruitment that was, was pretty complicated and you need to, to, I mean, he had a he had a high demand. Uh, Cliff was one of the top prospects in the country, and, and Illinois in that type of a sense was in some battles with some programs that were maybe dabbling a little bit more in the gray area, and uh, I think that was something that obviously Bruce Weber, I mean, it, it's pretty well documented and well talked about in Illini circles, uh, that he really wasn't interested in, in blurring those lines and, and going too far in that. And I think John Gross was uh, fairly similar. So I, I think that Illinois has always had the uh, a really – well entrenched and, and deep alumni base that wants to get involved that has been so hungry to win through the years that uh that opportunity to get involved and, and to really uh within the rules be able to impact that I think that's something that Illinois could have done and yeah there are a number of of prospect not to like come out and say that you know all these guys got bought or whatever yeah, but right. uh, there, there's no doubt that Illinois could have done more on that that front and um maybe Bruce Weber has a a uh, longer tenure of success and, and doesn't have to worry about, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's sitting there saying, I'm not going to cut my hair until these, these <laughs> cheaters are out of the game. I mean, it's, it's changed what cheating is. It's not.
1: Yeah, does, does, does Eric Gordon stick around? I don't know. You know, Eric Gordon's still in the NBA. <laughs> like, it's all this time later. He's a pretty dang good player. Could have helped him. All right, Derek, I do want to bring up what you saw down in uh peach jam and one of the standouts, not only, because we are watching because he's in a line, I commit. But nationally, was Marez Johnson, who has been committed to Illinois for almost two years now, still a year away from joining the program. But you were there. What, what did you see from Marez Johnson last week?
2: Marez is awesome and a guy that has always been a plus athlete, really physical and high motored and, and a great on the glass, uh, someone that defensively can really cover a lot of ground and just he just battles he, he battles his butt off uh now you're seeing like the offensive package has really come along impressively I, I this was the the most opportunity i had to sit down and watch him uh since really the the high school season uh so getting a chance to see the the confidence that he now has offensively i think back to last year he's playing with James Brown which presented a challenge really for both those guys to really try to coexist with each other a lot of times morez was playing kind of free throw line extended, maybe even out to the perimeter, that high-low action, which I thought Morez did a good job of getting the ball to James and, and vice versa. But uh, now it's with James playing Mocan a lead and moving on from uh, those guys being teammates really both at high school and AAU, it's, it's Morez's team. It's Merez, uh, his job to demand the ball inside. And uh, I thought still around the free throw line did some good things because now all of a sudden he can – he can face you up, he can drive you, he can spin, he can finish with either hand. And those are all things that uh, as you look back in his progression, it's like, okay, he's got a lot of things that you like, but the polish offensively just isn't, isn't where you want it. He's still fairly raw. He doesn't have a ton of moves to go to. Maybe he doesn't have the, the most confidence in, in what he can do um, in terms of just being able to diversify his game. So he has that. He's, he's knocked down a couple of jumpers. I mean, you, see his highlights from the top 100 camp. I know that was something that when I read and watched what he was able to do, um, he can take that shot and it's not his strength by any means, but uh, it's just something that he's worked on and is showing flashes of that. There's growth there. Uh, and he did that as well. So uh, to put up the numbers that he did, I mean, there were games, we had 15, 16, 17 rebounds, uh, led the UIBL and, and boards, was as impactful and productive as anybody on the circuit uh, at the 17U level. So, he was awesome. They went undefeated in pool play, lost a tough one their first game of a bracket play to the Rens against Dylan Harper, number one player in 2024. Um, but Merez was just, he was great all week.
1: I, I think he's kind of solidified that his role is probably this undersized five, Derek, right? Like that's, I, I think you and I have seen like, that's probably his role. Um, he's not the tallest guy, but he's long. He's obviously um, the work ethic and the toughness is is through the roof. Uh, So as as we look forward here, like in a year when he joins this roster, how do you see him making an impact right away? And how do you see him kind of fitting in with a group that includes Dane Danger, low post guy, a group that includes Amani Hansberry, maybe can be more of a face up um, and, and Ty Rogers, who's not a great shooter to this point. How do you see him kind of fitting into this roster?
2: I love that physically he's going to be pretty ready. I mean, his, his lower body strength, the the ability to just drive people under the basket when he's going for offensive rebounds. And uh, I mean, he's got some, some big thighs. He's he's put the work in, in the weight room and uh, just imagine a year from now, or, you know, give him a summer with Fletch. I have no concerns of his ability to battle in the big 10 from the, from the very get go physically from that standpoint, I think, uh, the rim running ability is something that he's really going to be able to do. I mean, we know that Brad would love to play fast as much as possible uh, and someone that can go uh, rim to rim, be someone that, yeah, he's 6'9". He's not the legit center size in terms of the height, but uh, can, can provide a little bit of rim protection. But yeah, you said it there. I mean, Dane's going to have another year. Uh, if if he continues to progress, you're probably looking at Merez playing behind him uh, for at least a season. Uh, but I think, Merez would be it able to could come be,
1: Which could be 15 to 20 minutes, right? Like it still yeah. could be significant playing time.
2: Right, for sure. And, and we'll see how Amani's progression goes, because I think for him to really play the four, he's got to have that mid-range shot uh, come along more. And, and I, I do like his – I think he handles it well for his size. He passes extremely well from the perimeter. Um, so he's going to have a little bit of versatility there, probably more of an undersized five uh, coming in. And, and the same thing with Merez. I mean, if Merez – uh, gets the, the jump shot going. Could he slide into some four? Maybe, but he's uh, he's best at the five, and, and that's kind of how he's going to play out there. But uh, he's showing to be someone that's going to be instant impact, even if it's in a, a bench roll right off the bat. Um, but I think he's going to be ready to, to rebound at a high level, to defend really well, uh, to be that guy inside that can – I mean, he plays through contact really well around the basket, And then now if he's someone that can can face you up and do some things too, I mean, that's, that's pretty exciting.
1: I've kind of mentioned before that Illinois starting to recruit, recruit front court pieces, which it wasn't that long ago, Derek, they really struggled to do this, uh, that, that Michigan state typically gets, you know, Hansberry reminds me of Michigan state guy. Uh, I know Ty Rogers, who can't qualify now as a a front court piece, but he reminds you of a Michigan state kind of guy. Right. And it feels like Marez Johnson's kind of the same thing. So I want to ask you this, like, Brad Underwood's recruited some really good talent, whether, you know, Kofi and Iowa, obviously what they became, but Ty Rogers, top 50 prospect, Adam Miller, Andre Corbello, top 50 prospects. What do you, what do you think of Merez as a prospect? Like how does he stack up best recruiting get for Illinois since when?
2: I think probably Kofi. I, I would say that that's probably one. I mean, Merez could end up being ranked higher than Kofi as we push forward I know our board continues to hound uh, eric Bossy uh, on his ranking or just his
1: yeah, star I, yeah. my, my, my take is keep him with that fourth star there keep keep that chip on his shoulder keep the and the expectations too because like you know five star um you're kind of expecting a one and done and in, in all big ten caliber play. I don't know if I want to put that on Merez quite yet but I understand why people want a five star it's a five star right like you get to brag about
2: it yeah for yeah. sure and Illinois hasn't had – they haven't had a McDonald's All-American since Jeremy Richmond go back to 2010. And I mean
1: – Would you rather have a fifth it, star or a McDonald's All-American?
2: You said would you rather have one or the other?
1: Yeah, would you rather have a fifth star or a McDonald's All-American?
2: Uh, I'd want the Mickey
1: D's. i want the Mickey D's. Yeah.
2: Burger Boy. Illinois could use the Burger Boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get it that the fact of you're going to have some front court players that are either – uh, more of the if he's a center, if you're more of that seven foot range, um, or you're gonna have more skill. You're gonna have guys that can stretch it out and, and shoot it uh, more effectively, uh, be more skilled off the bounce and everything. But uh, for what he brings, I mean, his strengths are he, he dominated a peach jam. Like the fact that physicality, rebounding, uh, finishing around the basket, I man, he's just dominant, and it was hard to deal with. And that's that's a high level of competition, and, and then you get some of the offensive progression that he's made. I understand why people think that, and I mean, Bossy put him as one of the biggest stock risers of the first live period. And he already elevated into the top 50 going into this month. So the idea that he could jump into from top 50 to top 30, could he push a five-star? I I think that's all within the range of possibility. And uh, even just being on the radar of a a legit McDonald's All-American prospect, I think that's, something that he's worthy of? Is he, Is it going to play out that way? We'll see. But um, fans probably worry too much about it. I get the passion. I get the He's, want. he's the
1: same player regardless, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting conversation in terms of best get. I mean, Sky Clark was, was highly touted. Um, a
1: Miller was a heck of a prospect. Had, had a pretty Miller, good freshman year, too.
2: He was, too. Yeah, I mean, it, he was what, in that top 40? pushing top 30 type of range. Um, If he, if he is better, it's hard to say that he's better than Kofi knowing, well, we know what we got out of of Kofi. Ultimately, Uh, IO, of course, I mean, 24, seven even had IO as a five-star. So uh, I would probably say Kofi. um, And there, there there've been some good gets through the years for sure. So.
1: I was, I was listening to you and Lon the other day and you guys, I, I texted you, you guys were talking about Illini comps. There's just not a lot of guys and i was like taller lebron black maybe uh but really the guy i started to settle on was was james augustine rim runner um toughness rebounding and i hate you know james augustine turns into like a, a program legend all-time leading rebounder but Illinois just hasn't had a guy like that i mean augie was 69 athletic pretty strong not a great shooter right like so all those things i was like if, if that that could be what he is like that and i don't think that's ridiculous expectation But that's the kind of player. I I don't think he's a guy you run offense through, Derek, but just a guy that makes a huge impact on the game. I think if we're going Big Ten right now, is Cliff O'Marui ridiculous about a a comp for him?
2: No, I like that one. Uh, That's a good one. I I know that in the past we've talked a little bit, and I know that the staff kind of thought, is he a Musa Diabate? Uh, I think he's a little bit more rugged, more physical than than Diabate. Now, we didn't see Diabate progress forward in Michigan beyond one year, but – uh, yeah i think uh omaruri's is, is someone that you could throw in uh, on the block and i think that Morez as he continues to progress i mean that's something that you can do to him now um but he's not maybe your your primary option all the time um but yeah i think that augustine i mean augustine was just uh, so good running the floor and, and able to get rim to rim um play the pick and roll i think that's something that obviously Merez is going to be able to do and then just so much of a presence on the glass. I mean to be the program's all-time leading rebounder. That certainly makes sense to me. Uh Laron before the the meniscus was more of an athlete, more I mean I think it, you don't have that injury and he's probably just putting up ridiculous uh rebounding numbers. I mean the the grit and kind of the dog as we like to say, like that that lines up with with Merez as well. Um he's a, he's a taller maybe a, like a Brandon Dawson like we talked about. Yeah. Michigan State, like there's some of that too. So
1: yeah, uh, I, I heard, I heard Lon say Mike Davis. Uh, that's my Weber voice. Um, Mike was slim, right? Like he was not the the toughest player in the interior, and he had a face up game that was that was really good. Heck of a rebounder though. Mm-hmm. Um, so just yeah, just some some players of what I think could be realistic expectations for him. But uh, they, they only got one commit in the class of 2024, Derek, we've talked about. Maybe only one other guy that they could add. Uh, but I do want to bring up a name we haven't talked about a lot. That's Mikey Lewis, a guard that Illinois has been involved with for a while. Just got a Kansas offer. Seems to be having a pretty good summer.
2: Yeah, I mean, mind? he was one of the top scorers in the UIBL throughout the spring. Uh, his team didn't make it to Peach Jam, so he's kind of playing in the, they call it now the PIT, uh, <laughs> playing like off the energy. NIT. Um, but yeah, I mean he he can he's a bucket. Like he's a three level scorer, uh, a guy that shoots it well uh, from the outside, can can play in the mid range and pull up, and, and also get to the rim. He was on uh, the Oakland Soldiers, so he's out there on the West Coast. And the um, I got in early in the spring, it, it was kind of a, a later blooming recruitment. I think the only official he's taken so far, he went to St. Mary's. Uh, San Diego State's been in there. He, he's got a couple of like Arizona State, uh, UNLV. Uh, some of those type of, of, of players and his recruitment. Uh, but yeah, Kansas jumping in. I know in the past, like there's been some blue bloods who have, have thrown out an offer in July after a big peach jam or, uh, and and you still don't know if they're really going to push. Like, I know that like EJ Liddell got a Duke offer at one point yeah. and Duke didn't really, didn't ultimately become a big player. So we'll see what that looks like, but that, that shows the type of, of AAU season that he's had to command that type of interest. Um, Chester Frazier's recruited him hard. Uh, He's talked about taking a visit to Illinois at some point. But, uh, yeah, in terms of a combo guard that can score it, obviously you have that in Dre Gibbs-Lahorn, but you never really have enough uh, guard depth, uh, capable ball handlers, shooting shooting is still something that Illinois wants more of, and and he's definitely one of those too. I mean, I think he was shooting 40% from three throughout the the bulk of the AAU season, so uh, he's really good. He's really good.
1: We, we've talked about Jason Jaxtus out of Yorkville. Uh, I think you got another look at him. Derek, what'd you think?
2: I thought he had a pretty good weekend. Uh, I know that kind of on the front end, he he definitely was impressive. And then you got into some of the bracket play and uh, th- there's going to be times you're just going to face better teams, but they, they got, they got blown out in bracket play in one of those games and he didn't do a whole lot. Um, he's a long-term prospect. He's a long-term guy uh, his lack of strength still hurts him at times um, in terms of rebounding or just guarding guys that, that kind of really want to bully through him. And uh, I, I just like his skill set. As you look uh, offensively, 6'10", can handle it on the perimeter some, can shoot it. Uh, I like his his stroke looks pretty good. Uh, and the more I hear, I, Brad, I, I think Brad views him as Coleman Hawkins-esque. Like I, I think he – there's some differences there. I think Coleman, more dynamic ball handler – uh, better playmaker in terms of just getting guys involved. But uh, Jackson might be a better shooter than Coleman was at this stage in time. And uh, I mean, uh, someone to potentially take a redshirt year, just take some time to develop, You, you get him in the mix with Merez and, and Amani. And I just think there's a nice compliment there that uh, some people have been skeptical. I, I listened to what Joe Hendrickson said. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. I know he said that you know, he's viewed him as a mid-major prospect, and that's kind of just been his – that's his offers, offer list. That's uh, who he's been uh, throughout this spring. But uh, Illinois has done a good job of of recruiting him. I think they like him a lot. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they ultimately try to push for him uh, sooner than later because it they just like the, the long-term potential.
1: And let's be honest, like, you can only play eight, nine guys. And how many guys nowadays are happy to – Redshirt to learn and develop for a couple of years. So I, I know Brandon Lee didn't work out, and if some of these other guys have not worked out. We'll see with we Nico Moretti what what happens with him. They they hope Zachary Perrin could be that kind of guy. Obviously, that didn't last very long. But if you can get a couple of guys bought into development, see where they are in a couple of years, and then figure it out. Uh, and, and if Jaxxus is happy with that, rather than go to a mid major where he might be able to play a little bit earlier. Um, you know, there's, there's some value in that. There's some value in, in guys that are willing to put in that work, uh, and see what they become. Um, especially with an in-state kid, I think that makes uh, some sense. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple months with him. I failed to bring this guy up last time, right after he took a visit to campus. So apologies for that, Derek, but Jeremiah fears also had a good week. It sounds like, uh, during this past week of the AAU circuit and Illinois seems to have really turned up its interest. We know the history with the Fearses. Uh, they they really pushed hard for a while for Jeremy. And then right as it seemed to be coming to a, a climax there where Illinois could get him, Illinois seemed to back off. He becomes a McDonald's All-American, and he's going to to Michigan State. But now Illinois turning it up for Jeremiah Fears. So, one, let's start here. What did you see from Jeremiah Fears uh, this past week? I love him. First chance
2: I got to see him at Peach Jam, and I, I saw him a little bit uh, during the spring. He's just so skilled offensively. There's really nothing he can't do in terms of his shot making. I mean, he can make shots from all over the court, outside the perimeter, off the bounce in the mid range. He doesn't need to get stronger. I mean, that's something that as you try to go into contact and play on drives around the rim, there's some contested finishes that he can get better at as he gets more physically mature. And the thing to me that, uh, I've continued to keep in mind is like he's a 16-year-old playing up 17U. Like he's playing as a starting point guard on Bradbeal Elite on a Peach Jam team up a level. Like I, I, in the past, there have been a select guy, a number of guys that have, have played up like that. Like Jalen Brunson's one that comes to mind. And then there's uh, a few other ones that uh, when they play 16 on 17s and they come back the next year, like they usually just kill it. And I think that that's something that's probably very much in the cards for him. His production overall, like there was a game against the Wrens. I've talked about, uh, Dylan Harper. Uh, they've got another guard. That's that's pretty darn good that he struggled. Like he went like two for 15 from the field and I uh, just had an off game. And there's been some of that for him throughout the spring and summer is that a little bit of fluctuation in his production, but, uh, when he's had good games, he's, he's definitely looked the part. And, um, I know you're going to bring this up, and it, it makes a lot of sense. I heard you say it yesterday, like the Steph Curry generation, definitely very much involved with him. Uh, I know he's like he played with Jer- Jeremy last year at Joliet, and he was kind of just more of a scorer. Where Jeremy's that pass-first point guard, and you wondered like, is he going to be just a, a combo guard that maybe needs to grow a little bit more to kind of be that off-ball shooter, or mm-hmm. is he a pure point guard? I think he's developed really well as a playmaker. I think his passing is is pretty impressive. Uh, he still has time to de- develop and everything, but um, he, he's he's a legit top fifty chance to be a top thirty, top twenty five type of guy, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I failed to mention twenty twenty five Jeremiah Fears played Juliet last year. Now heading to Compass Prep, um, a lot of these guys going to these prep schools. He's the he's the kind of lead guard you build around. Right, like To, to me, I, I've seen him a couple of times, and, and I see that kind of stiffness in his game. Not saying he's that good, but um, he can score, he can distribute. Uh, you put him around Merez Johnson and Amani Hansberry, and, and whatever else you have, need a lot of shooting, Derek. Maybe a <laughs> Gill. Yeah, maybe a Phoenix Gill. Like that's that's the kind of guy who I think is probably a sophomore, could, could lead your team in scoring, could play a lot as a freshman and be an impact player right away. So uh, what do you make of their traction, Derek, with this recruitment, give, given their history with Jeremy um, and, and given what they can sell them?
2: I think the sell is strong. I think that a lot of what the family bought into with Jeremy applies to Jeremiah and that he can stay close to home. And I know that matters to, to Jeremy Fear Sr. because he's got – uh, a number of sons. I mean, this is going to be the middle one, Jeremy, the oldest. And he's got another one um, younger than Jeremiah uh, to to stay in, in the area and watch him play hoops. And uh, when I talked to him last month, I mean, he was talking about how excited he was to be in the Midwest and, and know, well, uh, Jeremiah is going to go out to Compass Prep. They're not moving out there. They're not relocating. They want to stay in the Midwest. He can't wait to get out to all the Big Ten venues and see Jeremy. So that was a big reason why uh, Illinois was – a huge factor, uh, Michigan State as well, because um, staying close to home matters. I think it matters to Jeremiah as well. And um, he's talked about legacy. He's talked about, hey, look how Io was received, uh, promoted, the stage that he had, just uh, – and the, the lasting legacy that, that Io had, that, that D Brown had, a guy like Frank Williams had. I think, think it's something that really plays um, with that family. Um, in, in the end, is it going to matter that Illinois turned away – his older brother uh, essentially, or or let off the gas, his older brother. I I still have that thought personally. I wonder uh, if that's something that when it comes down to it, is that going to be anything that is a detractor, but uh, Illinois definitely is turning it up. Um, I think they wondered for a while, was it worth it? Was it worth it based on the ending of the other recruitment to to make that kind of effort? They decided it is. Uh, Jeremiah is definitely talented enough, whether you just to, to give it a shot, um, and then also the other factor is like there's so many other options. Like he's has a chance to really have his choice of pretty much anywhere in the country. Um, Arizona offered this spring, Michigan, Michigan state, uh, Kentucky's involved and he's going to visit there sometime soon. So we'll see there, there's still a ways to go, but um, I think Illinois has, has gotten good feedback recently. I think they've, they pressed it really hard. They made sure to be at all of his games. Brad was at a lot of his games, and uh, they want him to feel like he's a huge priority, if not maybe even the the top guy in twenty five for them right now.
1: Any other Nuggets from the weekend, Eric?
2: I saw a handful of, of other guys. Um, I know you know Larry Johnson is a a, a big guard that they're looking at. Uh, had really not been a
1: not grandma, not grandma, Larry Johnson. No, he you. was
2: impressive. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was a, a big time player, but uh, a six four guard from uh he's playing team Thad. um didn't do a whole lot i, I think that that's uh it wasn't really uh a, a big standout weekend for him so he's kind of a late bloomer he got an offer from illinois a handful of other guys uh there in june and um, they're looking for that that combo guard i think as it stands right now Morez. i think jacks is there they want a, a stretch stretch the floor big man even if it is kind of a longer term piece i think jacks is their focus right now uh jackson mccandrew is a a talented shooter from Minnesota that's got size, but I just don't think Illinois is, is really entrenched there. They kind of relate to the party. So I think Jackson is, is their focus. And then beyond that, it's probably combo guard slash wing, maybe best available in that group uh, in terms of adding another guy. Uh, Jaden Glover is one they really like out of New York. Um, I think it's tough because now that Rick Patino's at St. John's, he's got a lot more appeal and 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 they're pretty strong there right now. But, um, it's interesting because uh, Glover makes the transition from he played uh, New York Jayhawks, which was Andre Curbelo's AAU team, to then playing for the Riverside Hawks, which is run by uh, Kofi's mentor. So mm. um, uh, maybe you kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit and say, "Hey, does Illinois have a little bit more juice in that one?" Now um, we'll see. We'll see. I think they're they're playing catch up. Uh, maybe is going to be a Big East land, but he's a good shooter uh, and a guy they've been recruiting for a while. Uh, Michael Robinson, too, is, is a guy I got to see at Adidas. Um, he's mentioned that he wants to visit Illinois. Oak Hill Academy, a uh, player that uh, Chester's recruited. Uh, kind of a a three-slash-four, uh, decent athlete, uh, can shoot a little bit. And he's someone that they're, they're looking at and involved with. Probably not going to be a big class, but um, that's kind of what you're looking at in 24.
1: Looking at the 2024-25 scholarship chart in front of me, Derek, I, I see a huge concern for me. Love what you have in the, the front court. Love you got dogs uh, up and down this team with, with sincere Harris, Ty Rogers, Mraz Johnson. We'll see what, um, Monty Hansberry in that Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. um, shooting. You need some shooting here. Um, and I, I think that's going to be a huge need probably in the transfer portal, but we did hear or we saw Chester Frazier, I think it was a month ago. Sam looking for some net strippers. Um, yeah, they they need some net strippers, man. Like they, there's some a huge need both short term. We'll see what uh, you know Quincy Guerrier and Marcus Domask do if if Shannon Hawkins improved, Goody comes back for a whole year that should help them. But long term shooting is a huge need here.
2: Absolutely, I, that's one thing that you know Cole Serta the way he played this past week kind of. Sprinkle some salt in that wound. I mean, guy that put up
1: Shrewsbury, yeah,
2: man, (laughs) put up thirty plus a couple of times and hit a bunch of threes and um, someone they, you know, when it boiled down to it, we're we're trying to get. It's just Notre Dame and Shrewsbury. They they were able to 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 win out. Uh, Shrewsbury night, man. Yeah, he's tough. He's tough. <laughs> tough. Uh, and Indusaitis is a guy that maybe in, in hindsight you might have wanted to play differently. I,
1: he's still- I liked he, him. I liked him. Yeah, he was inconsistent, but I, I liked bit. him. He reminds me, and, and I, I don't think he's going to become this, but he just has a game that reminds me a little bit of Stauskas, who's one of my favorite players. Um, can, can he create for people? I don't know, but sometimes he does it. Can he defend? He's not good at it, but sometimes I see a flash. And then he can shoot the lights out some games and then other games, it's like it, it's completely off. So I get, I get the hesitancy at some point, but the skill set is there.
2: Yeah. No, you, you described it perfectly. Like the fact is, you'll have a game where, like, man, there, there are people around me that were asking, like, where's this dude going to school? And I was like, Iowa State. And they're like, really? And uh, he, he had a couple of really nice showings where he's, yeah, he's, he's lighting it up from three. Uh, he's a better athlete than Serta, so that he's got that uh, on him as well. Uh, but then there's there's times where he just the shot's not there, and like you said, doesn't defend that well. Sometimes he doesn't handle contact that well around the basket, and so that you kind of have that. Who's he gonna? Is that who he's gonna be in college? Is kind of just this up and down and consistent guy? Will he figure it all the way out and, and really be one you regret, or, or is that hesitation something that will ultimately pay off? And yeah, you can go to the portal and get shooting. Um, that's something that, uh, Illinois is going to continue to want to be a player in the portal, but it would be nice to find a, a knockdown shooter. I, that's why like a guy like Mikey Lewis, who can definitely shoot it. Um, a guy like Jaden lover who, who can shoot it from the outside are, are pieces that they're going to be pushing for going forward. But, uh, that is something that's kind of standing out as, as a miss, um, so far, at least in terms of their construction.
1: All right, Derek, let's talk about the, the current team a little bit. Uh, Quincy Guerriere, Marcus Domask, and now Justin Harmon are all on campus. We know Jeremiah Williams will not be here, but uh, they're all on campus. We saw a picture, I think, briefly on Twitter. I don't know if it got deleted, but uh, of Terrence Shannon in a cast, I believe, on his left arm. We haven't been able to talk with Brett Underwood in a little bit. I, I know I think Scott Ritchie and Brett Barron's caught up with him at the Kendall Gill golf outing. Uh, but, uh, didn't get a lot from that. Doesn't sound like they're going to add another piece. Uh, I, you know, he's wanted to keep a scholarship open and unless some great guard, as we talked about comes along, uh, but, but getting Harmon on campus, you no, know, there's some doubt at sometimes about what he's going to be. He's an important part, Derek, of, of a backcourt that, that has questions.
2: Yeah. there was some uncertainty, uh, the academic part of it, trying to get him here and and ultimately able to finish up at Utah Valley. And now, uh, being able to be on campus. And, and, yeah, with the way things shook out, uh, Ray J. Dennis front, just point guard-wise, not saying that he's going to be um, a big option there. I mean, Michael Tulip talked about it when we sat down and, and had the podcast with us three that there's some concerns about if he were to be in a facilitating role. But he's played in a lot of ball screens. Um, he's played a lot of basketball. Right? The fact that and, and he can at least be someone in, in the second unit that can go out there and score it, uh, especially if you get the version that showed up in the NIT uh, where he was really uh, a pretty impressive player uh defensively they like what he brings there he's just a he's very gritty very competitive um have heard that you know he's he's one of those guys that you put him in the five on fives in in practice and you're gonna want to bring it or he's gonna he's gonna get after you uh, and I think that you know obviously sincere is one of those guys too so they like that about him and um a veteran a veteran that that gives you something so some, some somewhat of a, a proven commodity in the backcourt. Yes, he's making a jump from mid-major to high-major, but uh, good to get him on campus and, and have that solidified.
1: We've talked a lot. We know what Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon are. We've talked about what they can be this year. We've talked a lot about Marcus Damas Quincy Guerrier. They just got here anyway. But, uh, Derek, you, you got a great pulse uh, on this program. You hear things about how summer workouts are going. So let's go rapid fire here with some of these other guys. Um, Dane Danger. Uh, a returning starter. I don't know if we talk enough about it, but a really good first season overall. Obviously there were some ups and downs throughout it. It was far better. Uh, I guess it would be, you know, against non-conference play and then probably early big 10 play than he was late. But, uh, you see pictures of Dane Danger, man. He, he looks trim.
2: Yeah. He's put a lot of work in, uh, with Fletch continually. I mean, from the time that he got here, uh, after Baylor, I mean, he was like Close to 300 pounds, shedded a lot of that, got in the best shape of his life. Now he's in even better shape. Uh, A lot of it that I've heard is just simplifying the game. And it's still something that is a process for him. But, you know, on the block sometimes trying to do too much. uh, Just instead of, you know, spinning and, and doing some fancy stuff, just power dribble and go up. I think that they're trying to get him to just simplify a little bit more. Uh, And and defensively, trying to lock in a little bit better uh, drop coverage. We talked a lot lot about that throughout the year of early on, really good. Then maybe got lost and uh, just processing things for a guy that didn't play a lot of hadn't played college basketball. So that was his first real experience at that. But uh, I've heard he's worked really hard. The body shows that and just simplifying the game. They feel like he'll have another step forward with that
1: the key word there is processing. He was thinking through the game, which is understandable for a guy who's basically playing high major basketball uh, for the first time of his career consistently. Um, and, and that Trace Jackson Davis game just did something to him where, where he got that assignment. He was pumped about it. Didn't work out. Yeah, the defense just slipped uh, ever, ever since then. And Trace Jackson Davis, given how good he was last year can have that effect on people. Ty Rogers. we talked to so much about him. I don't know if you have anything else to add here, Derek, but uh, you talked to him the other week and, uh, He's the point guard. Uh, he, he solidified that for you. What have you heard about him?
2: Yeah, he wasn't holding back on that. Uh, he wanted to, to put it out there. I, a guy that's very confident, that is really excited about this role, feels like he has the team at his back. Uh, and uh, I, I know it's a it's a process. That's one thing that I've heard is that you know he's got a ways to go. They're spending a lot of time in the film room with him. And, you know, after uh, really on a daily basis, like an hour a day, he's in the film room with Tyler. Uh, with Tim Anderson watching. Uh, I thought it was really interesting to hear him say, hey, they're they're throwing film on of, of guys that have, have done this kind of as bigger guards. And I'm sure he's watched some Jalen Pickett film probably too uh, of that booty ball uh, type that he can bring there as well. And um, another thing I've heard is like uh, I think in the open court, he's doing some really good things, like being able to get out and, and he sees the floor well, he's skilled. Uh, in the half court sometimes – He doesn't slow down enough, maybe speeds through his read speeds through where he needs to get to go and uh, just showing some patience. And that's just experience and reps. Um, And we'll see how that that materializes as we go along. Uh, The jump shot. I haven't heard a ton on that. I know that's the biggest thing that everybody wants to know is I just don't think we're going to get to a point if I. If I came out here and said, hey, the staff's telling me he's knocking down threes or you know he's he's automatic from fifteen feet, I'd be
1: Omar, Omar Payne vibes.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd be uh, uh very skeptical of that. So yes. um I'm not I'm not hearing that. I have not been uh, been offered that up, but um I think they, they like his mindset. I mean he's he's a guy that's gonna gonna grind, just gonna put in the work, that's gonna uh he's a high IQ player uh, already, yeah. so they're not worried about that.
1: Um ups your defense ups your rebounding it's yeah i would imagine it's growing pains right it's gonna be growing pains here in that role the two stats i care about the most with ty rogers coming up this year field goal percentage at the rim he was 59 percent last year i think that needs to get closer to, to 68 70 uh and then free throw percentage like you cannot be 39 percent. that's got to get at least north of 50 Derek, because he's going to get a lot of attempts i'd like it to be closer to 60 um, but if, if those two things increase, I think he's really playable because he's going to get to the rim. He's going to get to the foul line a lot. You just can't have him be such a, a negative at those. I mean, for as big as he is, as athletic as he is, 59% has got to be better just for comparison. RJ Melendez was 65%, uh, at the rim. Mm-hmm. now he's more probably explosive of an athlete, but Ty's a really good athlete. Um, so that, that's gotta, that's gotta go up for me. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. go ahead. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. The left hand around the rim is something we've talked about, being able to get to that. And then they have had him working with, talking with a, a shooting coach. They wanted to tweak his his form on his jump shot a little bit. I think that, at the very least, could maybe play into the, the free throw improvement. Um, but we'll see how that goes. We'll see.
1: Sincere Harris.
2: He was one of the guys, right as summer workouts started, is like, hey, Sincere is one of the early standouts. We've been really happy with him. And uh, you know he's going to compete his butt off. I mean, he's, he's going to be someone that uh, – and Ty even said it, like, hey, I, I love going up against Sincere because he's going to – as soon as they inbound me the ball, he's going to be right there to guard me 94 feet. Um, I, I've heard just – it seems like um, Sincere is maybe just matured a little bit in mm-hmm. his approach. I, I've heard that he's really uh, kind of fallen in love with the weight room, that they, they really like how – He's approached that, and and uh, a guy that's not just lifting because he has to lift, but actually uh, wants to get in there and, and sees the upside. I mean, he's got twitchy athleticism. If he, we've talked, you've mentioned it before. I mean, Tajay Moore in a couple of years, like that's that's within the realm of possibility. Uh, the shots, it's still going to be a question mark. Uh, yeah, I, I, I
1: would know. sign up for thirty-two percent from three again <laughs> on a larger scale, right? Um, but again, with him free throws and finishing at the rim, we know how many dunks he missed free throws 20%. Like that yeah, is yeah. that that's got to improve and then field goal percentage at the rim 55, that's got to be closer to 62, 63 for me.
2: Yeah, I do think they they believe that he'll be a better finisher around the basket with more strength, which is the game slowing down for him some. Um shooting wise, it's it's not a strength. It's not a strength for him. Uh, can he be not
1: better than... 32% again from three? Yeah, run. probably not. Probably Because I think it was tr- like 16% during Big Ten play or something like that.
2: Yeah, he had a couple early. Um, They are repping him some in some some ball screen, just trying to make sure that they have as many capable ball handlers as possible. If anything were to happen to Ty or that, that just didn't work out. Uh, I mean, there's a world where Sincere is one of your backup point guard options. So there's – Repping that with him. Uh, he does have some handle. You look back at his high school film, he played with the ball in his hands a decent amount. Um, that's something that they're working on with him too.
1: Yeah, sincere during Big Ten play. Three, three of 17 from three. It's a very small sample, but uh 18%, if I'm rounding up. Drake gives Lawhorn. Speaking of that guard position, Derek.
2: They love him. They think he's as talented as really anybody in the in the building. Um, I had been told that he's also one of, if not the hardest worker on the team right now. So a guy that has a chip on his shoulder, has has felt like he's been overlooked, um, and because uh, he didn't play a whole lot at Mount Ver, his his ranking dropped from a guy that was once in the top fifty range, and he's he's ready to prove that he's a big time player. I mean, he's got a lot of physical gifts. Like he's he's bouncy, he can shoot it like heck. He uh, he's just he's he's a really good player. He's really talented now. Um, I think learning the game, uh, going from playing overtime elite where it's a little bit more wide open and less structured, and there's some talented guys in there. I mean, you get the the Thompson twins uh, who were, you know, lottery picks that, that Dre actually played decently well against their team. Uh, he also shot like 40, 41% on like seven attempts from three per game in that He's really he's a very, very capable shooter. So I've heard he shot it well. I've heard that he's just with his talent, that's definitely popped. It's just being able to get him to just kind of learn the nuances. It's more – college basketball is so much more detail-oriented, knowing assignments, knowing reads and all that kind of stuff, and just getting him to learn the game and get up to speed. But um, they're really excited about him.
1: It seems like the ultimate X factor for the season, given the need at the position, his talent. You know, after the, the Sky Clark experience, to be honest, you get a little concerned about guys who bounce around high schools as much as he did but the talent is not without question. Like the, the what he did at overtime elite was really encouraging late in the year. Uh, and boy, they need a player with, with his kind of bucket ability, his shooting ability. And uh, he he's, he's an explosive athlete. So, you know, you've seen guys and I'm not saying this is the expectation, but Ohio state's had like Malachi Branham and some of these guys just come out of nowhere. Um, maybe it's like these 60 through 80 prospects and become real league guards that that make a big impact. You thought Sky Clark or Jaden Epps could be that last year at points. Jaden Epps was last year. Man, if you could get Jerry gibbs Allhorn to do that, it, it changes the potential of this team. Speaking of guards, Nikola Moretti, anything on him?
2: He's gotten stronger. I know that. That was important as a guy that came in, pretty slender. And you wonder about, especially defensively, and just the physicality in the backcourt. Um, you know, at all at all positions of the Big Ten, got to be able to – to handle that. So they, they wanted to get him stronger. I'd heard he, added, you know, he added maybe 10, maybe 15 pounds since he arrived uh, mid-year last year. Uh, he's, he's someone that sees the floor. Well, a uh, good passer, you put him in pick and rolls, he's uh, able to, to make creative decisions. And that's why when they first saw him at the Nike Academy or the uh, NBA global Academy last summer, that it, Reminded them a little bit of Curbelo in that sense. Now he's not as athletic as Curbelo, um, just not probably overall as as talented uh, as Andre Curbelo was. But um, he he is a pass first uh, playmaker that it is that's his strength. Um, Shooting wise, he's more advanced than than Curbelo was. Has the ability to shoot from the mid range. Has the ability to to shoot from the outside. Some, uh, I think he's still probably uh, ideally a year away um, from really playing significant minutes in the backcourt. Ideally um, there's going to be, he's going to have a chance to compete with those guys at the point guard to, to show that he deserves to get more minutes. Um, And then uh, maybe he, maybe either surprises there or by just necessary need of having to play him. But um, I've heard he's been, he's been decent. Okay. uh, And there's not a ton of expectation for him this year but still hope for him long-term.
1: How about Imani Hansberry? Uh, Just arrived, what, a month ago. Um, Talented guy. Probably has battled just to to get some minutes this year, but certainly a guy I know they're excited about long-term.
2: Yeah, I mean, long-term, Brad loves him. Like, the skill set at, you know, 6'8", got that big body, um, but just great passer on the perimeter, uh, high IQ. One of those – he's going to be one of those dirty work players, I think, especially early, like trying to just – Scrap for any type of minutes you can come by when he's on the court, he's going to play 100% motor, dive on the floor, just battle for rebounds, loose balls, that type of thing. Uh, offensively, we'll see how that goes. I think that if he's around the basket against you know legit size, uh, we'll see how he finishes at the rim. Uh, the mid range game is something he's flashed at times. Can he be able to be a little bit more consistent with it? Uh, so he has a ways to go because he is battling. Coleman, Gary Ayer, uh, Dane. I mean, that's going to be tough for him to get a ton of minutes early. Um, sounds like he's he does need to get in a little bit better shape. But uh, long term, again, like if he can kind of weather the storm of this year and maybe not play a ton, then it really opens up for him to, to be a, a big factor in that front court going forward.
1: I saved this guy for last because it kind of goes under the radar because of how poorly Illinois played down the season, how well this guy played. He's one of the bright spots late in the season. Luke Goody um, made two threes against Arkansas, two threes against Penn State, two threes against Purdue uh, in those games. Really started to emerge, and I don't think we should overlook him. Uh, Marcus Domask obviously has as a more proven skill set and uh, overall probably more balanced player that, than Luke at this point, but this team needs shooting and, and Luke hoodie is a close to a 40% three-point shooter at the college level. Now you get a full season of a guy that Brad said, we'll see if it would, I don't know if it would happen would have started last year. And I still think he got, he's a guy that could potentially start this year if they want to bring Domask off the bench to be more of a, a, a playthrough option um, offensively. So I, I think I don't want to do the, we should talk more about this guy or this guy, this guy, but Luke Goodie is going to be a big part of this team.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, he's possibly someone that is being a little bit overlooked and and we'll see how he, he battles a guy like Damascus. Not to say they can't coexist together because you're going to need some more shooting on that, on that court. And both those guys can bring that. But uh, Luke is good of a, spot up catch and shoot guy on this roster it sounds like i mean he's he's really shooting the cover off of it in that sense and that's no surprise because like you said he was uh making threes uh late in the year and we know that's kind of his profile uh and also i mean you, you kind of get what you get in terms of just knowing how to play knowing where to be the effort the the toughness that he brings for sure uh have heard that brad is really running him a lot like not in the not in the, like a punishment sense but like <laughs> Uh, wanting him to move without the ball, I think that's something mm. that you look back last year. Illinois had a lot of stagnation around the ball, and a lot of just guys
1: you show him Andrew Funk film, yeah, of what that guy was doing running around screens,
2: yeah, and maybe that's show probably.
1: Brad, maybe show Brad some of that Shrewsbury film of getting some open looks. Of yeah, free uh, game game.
2: I agree. I think that they've they've kind of looked at that and said, you know, you're you're going to be of of high value of, you know, we got guys, if they can break you down, break down the defense, kick it out to you, if you're open, you can make that shot. But uh, how about having people chase you around the floor, chase you through some screens, be able to run some sets for you to get you freed up. And uh, I think that's something that they've worked on this summer, just to try to have Luke constantly moving through the half court offense. And um, that's something they, they want to really push him to uh, get accustomed to and, uh, work on shooting off the move. I think mean, that's something that, I mean, it's different than, obviously, you're, you're standing in the corner and spot up, but that's kind of been a focus for
1: him. Derek, before we go, one last topic I want to bring up, and that is uh, two more assistant coaches can't recruit on the road. You and I are not surprised. It is it is Tyler Underwood and Zach Hamer. This is what most programs seem to be doing. I know Indiana made headlines by, by hiring Calbert Chaney, and I think some Alana fans were hoping something like that. Uh, could happen a former line I great but the new rule just allows more on on the court coaching and I would imagine these guys continue in their other roles but what what was your takeaways from from the official announcement that these two are now also assistant coaches but they, they don't go on the road recruiting.
2: Made plenty of sense. Uh I think that yeah there was a, a thought that maybe you could uh, the fan base was, was a lot of them were, were maybe hoping you could bring in an o- outside voice, you know, somebody that had, uh, some maybe different ideas, whether it be offensively. Um, I know that usually the the former player is, is beloved in terms of those type of hires. I know that, you know, just a it's not really a secret. Corey Bradford has been trying to get involved with the program. And I think that was maybe a, a direction Illinois could have went, but, um, yeah, Zach and Tyler, very well respected, uh, hardworking guys on that staff, uh, and will continue to do what their their role entails. It's just now, you have them being able to be more involved, just period, on on the practice court and, and getting out there and doing that. So, um, I'm not surprised by it. a lot of programs of just instead of creating a new position, just giving rewarding the guys that were in those support staff roles and, and just giving the, uh, the their ability to go out there and be on the court. And I know that. There of course, were reactions um, with Tyler or just wondering about, you know, should Brad have, have added a new position? The reality is we're talking about when you have Brad, you have the three assistants. We're talking about the fourth and fifth instructors uh, on the court. Like it, it doesn't have to be some kind of blockbuster like type of outside the box edition. Um, Tyler's been in that jersey like Tyler's is someone that um, he's in the director of recruiting role. I mentioned he spent time with Ty in the, in the the film room, and he's done that. He's taken guys under his wing in the past. like Trent Frazier's a guy that he spent a lot of time with uh, of helping him just learn the game. I think that Tyler's uh, well-equipped to be out there and, and help in that type of capacity. Zach Hamer has a lot of analytical experience, film experience, um, was at the NBA level um, starting out and then come – coming to college. So, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you just, you reward the guys that have been in those roles and and their roles will stay the same. They're just now able to get on the court as well.
1: Yeah. And nepotism, I get it. Right. I I get how some people react to that. Uh, personally, you know, Tyler, I've, I've talked with Tyler several times. He's, he's impressive. Uh, and he's a Trevor, he's had this dad to learn from the entire time. So sometimes these guys, just like these you know, sons of NBA players tend to be pretty good. Uh, they have somebody to learn from. It's the same thing with coaches now in an ideal world. Yeah. I think it'd be great if Tyler for his first full recruiting assistant coaching job, got some experience with somebody else. I think they can help him for the long term. but in this role, I, I wasn't surprised. I think it's basically what he was doing just now he can actually be on the court legally uh, for, for these practices. So, so it made some sense for some continuity there. Plus, Brad's got some fresh voices here recently in and Tim Anderson and, and Chester Frazier. I, I'm wondering, you know, how that evolves w- with new coaches and, you know, you had some success last year, but also some setbacks, like how that uh, goes ahead and improves. So uh, I, I get why some people, especially given Miles Smith and, and Bryant Ferenc, uh why their reaction to that would be the way it is, but uh, kind of expected this all along. And, and I kind of get it from, from Brad, Underwood, Brad Underwood's perspective there.
2: Yeah. And it's yeah. different. Like if, if Tyler was, you know, hired as one of those roles, like when Orlando Antigua and Chen Coleman leave and he's a full-time on the road recruiting assistant, something that he.
1: Or even the next one, even the next one. Cause he doesn't have any experience doing it. Right. Like that's, yeah. that, that, that would, that, that would receive way more criticism than the role I think he's getting now. Like the yeah. role he's getting now, I think he deserves.
2: Yeah. I agree. I think as a, a guy that was a former player. Um, he's been within a program. He's been around basketball a long time. You're not, you're, you're not putting him in a, a situation that I, I think, I don't think he's over his head in. Right. Um, I, like you said, I, I understand some of the people that maybe would prefer an outside hire an outside voice. And we'll see, like I, I'm going to be very curious to see what the offensive system looks like this year. Um, last year was a failure. They weren't able to uh, put the team in the best position or have a, something that stuck. And if, if you're kind of in that same role or same situation this year, that there's valid criticism to be had of maybe Brad needs a, someone from the outside to bring new ideas, to bring a new system or whatever that might be. And But in the meantime, in terms of these guys being qualified or not, uh, it's not like we're talking some huge type of pay raise or anything like that either. Like um, I, I think it's fine. I, I, I'm not, I don't have personally any issue with it. Um, and I think it's different. I think it's different than, in the miles smith situation and personally okay. in my opinion
1: i had no issue with miles smith as a grad assistant when, when he got hired for the linebackers coach job and he didn't hire a defensive coordinator had a big issue with it
2: That's a little different yeah
1: <laughs> Derek piper i think we covered it all uh off season or not an hour of illinois basketball chat uh, thank you, Matt, last thing did you get your hot chicken did you stop somewhere in, in tennessee or nashville to get your hot no. chicken
2: i didn't no um oh. I was driving late and I just decided to push it and and went through, um, didn't get any hot chicken. I got some, my brother graduated, uh, from Vandy grad school back in, uh, May. I did get some Hattie B's hot chicken there. So that, that held me over for this summer. But, um, yeah, anytime I'm, I'm in that area, it's hard to pass up, but I did this time.
1: Thank you, Derek, for the insight, uh, and, and get some rest after the, the peach jam experience, man.
2: Will do, man. Thanks.
1: It's Derek Piper. He is the Goods. Hope you enjoyed that hour of basketball talk. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube where you can get all of our podcast interviews if you prefer the YouTube side of things. Give us a like over there. Subscribe to us. Hit that notifications bell as well. Got plenty of content up at AlanaInquiry.com. I break down 10 prospects we can continue to monitor for Illinois football. You can check that out for the class of 2024. And then Derek has his in-depth scouting report. Report on Jason Jacks. It's all up on the site right now, and we will continue our position primers for Illinois football. Really diving deep uh, into all of this as well. Illinois announced its media days participants. No surprise here. It is the law firm of Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton, and uh, Isaiah Williams making his second straight trip back to Indianapolis for Big Ten media days. Three really good players to have. Three really good representatives of Illinois. Uh, and I think it's good to have two defensive players like Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph. Of course, they kind of play off each other. Um, but talkative guys, future NFL guys. You know, Isaiah Williams one of the best guys I've ever covered. Um, he's going to be a two-time team captain, I would imagine, for this team. So good reps along with Brett Bielma, who leads off from the podium at Big Ten Media Days on July 26th. All right, everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Enquirer podcast.
0: Bye, everybody.